he has a um, question now. He has dealt in the past with institutional investors, currently more on the advisor side. And, and he wanted to ask us, uh, you know, or he says it would be interesting to hear our views on how to get the message across to advisors re regarding systematic and the expectations. For example, let's say the trend has a tendency to underperform in very strong bull markets, for example. Um, a lot of the podcasts I hear, he says, clearly identify this potential underperformance, but tend to keep it in the language of the quant. Not entirely sure what what you mean, Andrew, by the quant, but but um, I'm just going to throw it out to, to Moritz and, and, and you, Jerry, um, and see whether you have some some feedback as to in particular when dealing with uh, advisors you know what are the best ways to sort of uh, highlight the pros uh, and of course the cons uh, for for um, you know with regards to the systematic trading space or trend following space Pooh. so um regarding the Underperformance in a bull market, never forget that a diversified trend following system doesn't just trade the equities. You know, it trades um, FX, bonds, commodities, in addition to the equities, maybe even other markets. Um, so the comparison to just the S&P 500 or whatever equity index you're looking at just uh, doesn't really cut it. Um, um, so that that's the first thing I'd say, right? And then... Secondly, it just depends on trends. Um, you know, if you have a more volatile jumping market environment, um, you're not going to perform that well. So you always have to uh, uh, regard it and look through that lens and ask yourself the question, um, is the trend following system doing what it's supposed to do given the market environment? And as long as you can answer that question with, yes, it is exactly what it's supposed to do, then you're fine. Yeah, and maybe I'll just add to that um, because maybe that's where, where also, Andrew, you were going in terms of your question. And that is, you know, I think with advisors and, um, and of course, maybe – uh, maybe there's less so today in terms of interaction between clients and advisors than there used to be in the old days where every single trade almost had to be a discussion between the client and the advisor. Maybe that's one thing we're we're missing out uh, today. But of course, it's really down to the explanation of, you know, you need to have different, you need to have a strategic asset allocation across your portfolio. And there's nothing that, you know, at, and at any time, it doesn't really matter when, but at any time, there's always going to be one asset class that's going to do better than the others. And there's nothing wrong with that. So the fact that, you know, equities will do better in a raging bull market, I mean, that's just natural and it's perfectly fine. Uh, as long as you, you know, experience the the overall benefit of uh, of the other asset classes in the portfolio from time to time, and and therefore you can achieve your sort of a you know improved uh, risk adjusted return for the overall portfolio. So again, like Moritz said, I wouldn't focus too much about about one specific scenario, but of course the explanation is that well, that's perfectly natural and and it's meant to be like that. I would say, but you probably have to visualize it in in some ways. Um, I remember back in the day, Jerry, um, when I worked with you, um, there was a lot of a lot more um, sort of wirehouse money in in our industry, um, so there were a lot more advisors involved. And maybe today, um, how did we go about back then 
describing sort of the or getting the message across to these advisors vis-a-vis trend following and and their clients do you have any any historical wisdom that you can share Mm. i don't really remember but probably like we said last week uh more of not crisis alpha but the the efficiency of the portfolio if you add ctas diversified ctas and trend following uh, it's a good portfolio diversifier the efficient frontier uh i would say that may i thought he was talking about stock stock trading uh trend following stocks and so i would if that's the case i think that he you know at the end of 2008 uh trend following was doing trend following equities let's say was doing really well fast forward 10 yeah. years later it's doing really poorly one of the things that one would have to do i think in general to compete with the S&P or compete with the stock market if you're trend following stocks would be to use a little bit of leverage to make up for the shortfall that you're probably going to get it's going to be a, a better sharp ratio or whatever and a smaller drawdown trend following but to make the same return, you may have to leverage up a tad. Uh, so I think, but we'd like for these people and for to adopt the ideas that we do, which it's it's uh, it's non-negotiable. We're we're not going to not use trend following. We're just going to always use it. It's part of our lifestyle. It's we're going to diversify. We're going to take small losses. We're going to pay attention to price only. We're going to do short trades. Uh, we're going to not try to buy the lows and sell them sell the highs. And so that's what we would like everyone to believe and have uh, that philosophy that in no way would we enter these treacherous markets with anything less than that philosophy. So until we get there, we have to deal with these you know questions of why is it doing what it's doing? But in essence, in our heart, we don't care. Uh, I'm never going to take large losses and uh, small profits, and I'm never going to not diversify and be counter trend or pay attention to other things other than price. Absolutely. Now, one other thing you you uh, mentioned, Andrew, in your question that you you also try and visualize things. One thing to think about, and I did this, um, or I shared this analysis with 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 my uh, clients um, uh, this morning, actually. And that is if you look at uh, drawdowns, and of course this is top of mind right now, um, and you look at drawdowns of, say, the CTA index, um, you know, Barclays CTA index, for example, and you look at drawdowns of the S&P, what you find is that, first of all, if you take like the, you know, a five-year period for for calculating your volatility, so trailing five-year annualized uh, volatility, and you look at the drawdown uh, of the S&P, then the maximum drawdown we've seen in in the last, you know, since year 2000, it's something like three times, 3.6 times the five-year annualized volatility. But for the CTA index, it's only about 1.9 times. And I'm sure you'll find individual managers that might even have, you know, lower, uh, say, vol-adjusted drawdowns. And the other thing I noticed was that 36% of the time over this 18-year period, the S&P had been in a drawdown of more than one times its analyzed uh, uh, volatility, while the um, CTA index, uh, it was only 22%. So, again, I think putting a historic perspective, looking at drawdowns in a slightly different way than just, you know, uh, absolute numbers, but actually looking at the fact that, you know, when you use 
a certain amount of leverage, you you also have you know bigger drawdowns. But when you adjust for that, you know equities are not <laughs> it's not this is not the holy grail uh, by any means uh, of the imagination. It's just that it's been a while since we've seen this, and therefore people uh, tend to think of this as as being um, you know very risk free. And I was also listening to a very interesting interview with someone, and I forget his name, um, but someone who's been in the business for, you know, 40 year plus. And he was explaining how people back in the, this was someone who started in the 70s. And he said, you know, back in the 70s, you couldn't get anyone to buy stocks. Why was that? Because basically stock markets had done nothing for, you know, a 16 year period from 1966 to 1982. There was just very, very few returns and, and, and certainly drawdowns along the way in the equities. So you couldn't get buy, uh, people to buy any stocks. And of course, we, we now see the complete reverse, you know, that ed- everybody wants to have stocks because that's what's been performing well for the past 10 years. And that's just something you can only, I think, um, be reminded by, by studying history. And, and uh, certainly in my belief is that markets do, markets do go in cycles and, and we are most likely to see um, you know, a reverse of that at, at some point. 